Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Hey, Ben, how you doing this afternoon? Doing well. Uh, struggling to fight through that afternoon fog, but, uh, but yeah, doing pretty well. How about you? Doing well. So I uh, had some Chick-fil-A for lunch with uh, some Baptist pastors in the area, which was always nice. Uh, the Christian chicken. I know, exactly. A Baptist pastor meetings have to have chicken. I think it's a law somewhere. So. <laughs> and it's preferable if it's fried. Yeah, you know, it's funny that uh, we tend to record these on Tuesdays, and uh, I have a bit of a more routine schedule than normal the uh, Tuesdays that we record this. Typically, I do that lunch, and then record these, and then I'll go home that at night, and while my wife's meeting with a woman to study the Bible, I sometimes will play video games with her friend's husband. Uh, He'll come over, and (laughs) yeah, we'll play some video games, uh, even though we're both in our 30s. Uh, it's weird to admit, but it's true. Do you ever do much of that? Uh, I can't say that I do. Um, I I never was a real big gamer, um, and I really haven't played video games in a handful of years. Uh, every now and then, I've got a cousin who's he's like nineteen, maybe twenty. Um, he'll want to show me something if if I see him. Um, but I just yeah, I never played a whole bunch. But um, yeah, but they, I mean, at least you're not playing in your mom's basement with your buddy. So that's, you know, you're at your own house that <laughs> that you've provided. So. Yes. Do you play video games at all then? Uh, I have not played a video game in quite a while. I remember in seminary sometimes I'd, uh, uh, we, I lived above you guys, and uh, I know sometimes you'd be playing a baseball video game, I believe. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did sometimes. It was like a, a mind you know, stress release thing. Um, since, I, I mean, it's really probably been about four years since I've really played much video games. Um, and yeah, okay. I mean, it, it wasn't an altogether conscious decision. It was just like, eh. and, uh, you know, kids running around and stuff like that. So, um, I, I'm not principally opposed to them. I just, you know, yeah. it's kind of like movies, you know, I just hadn't don't watch a lot. Yeah, uh, Ben is not your pop culture guy. <laughs> but, no, I mean, hopefully I'm not a Luddite or something like that. But no. uh, there's just things I just don't do. So. Ah, that's okay. So uh, so I, in contrast, do play some video games. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, video games, uh, which might be a surprise. But I think it's important to discuss the impact of video games and our discipleship of our families as well as how we uh, teach about these kinds of things, even in the church. So, uh, But for me, actually, it, I, I do play it for similar reasons to what you were talking about when you played in seminary. It does help me calm my mind. In fact, I've kind of found uh, I know that I'm not enslaved to them, and I know that me overworking or me stressing out is, is my own sin struggle. But I think something that can help me naturally to just kind of calm down and check out is especially open-world video games. Uh, it just helps me to disconnect sometimes when I need to do that. So, uh, But I did grow up. I probably uh, grew up on more video games than you did as well. We were a video game family. I grew up on the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo 64. Uh, did you have either <laughs> of those? Uh, I had a Nintendo 64. So my parents were divorced, which, you, I mean, you knew that. Um, and so yeah. at the parent that I did not live with, um, I got that when I was maybe 12 or 13. And so I did. I only had one friend that lived there in that town, and so I didn't see him all the time. So I did play, you know, when I was – play more um, when I was there. Uh, and then I think when I was like 15 or 16, I got a PlayStation 2, which I actually still have. Um, and I, I mean it, it's not like – it had been out for a little bit, but it was still kind of new when it came out uh, or when I got it. Um, but it was just – yeah, it just wasn't a real big part. My dad was not into that really. Um and I think actually I remember him saying one time that he did not get me something like that uh, because he knew that he would play it and like waste his time uh, or as he saw it waste his time. And so, yeah. um, 
anyway, it just just wasn't really a thing for us. Yeah, I do remember. We, I would play some even with my dad, though growing up a little bit different. And I remember growing up, I used to love the. Uh, did you ever play the GoldenEye video game growing up? Maybe at a friend's house. It was a Nintendo 64 exclusive, I think. I I did, yeah. I forget somebody I knew had that game, um, and so I played it a little bit. I, re- I remember growing up uh, using the Uzi and playing as the odd job, so uh, fond memories of that <laughs> growing up. <laughs> Exactly. Now, uh, we talked some about our background and some of our present situation in that. And how has the video game culture changed from our Super Nintendo days or our PlayStation 2 days? So I think the the gaming culture has become more widespread, and it's like a really distinct subculture. Um, You've got a lot more adults playing. Because, I mean, there were video games around back in the you know, the seventies and things like that, but it was pretty basic and you didn't have as much variety. Um, and so it was not the same. Uh, and I knew when I was a kid, I knew adults who played video games, but it was more the exception. Now you have people who grew up playing video games who are adults, uh, who spend time and money and all this kind of stuff. Um, and the thing that gets me is with YouTube and this kind of stuff, Twitch and things I don't know anything about. Uh Uh, You have people watching videos of other people playing games. It's this voyeuristic kind of thing. And I just, I chuckle when I see kids doing it here at our church. I'm like, you're watching someone else play the game rather than playing the game. It is weird, isn't it? So, I mean, I guess in some ways it's not that different than watching a sporting event, but. I think there are some differences. I think but. it's pretty substantially different, but I guess, uh, yeah, that's uh, actually some of the biggest YouTubers are um, YouTube accounts. There are people that play video games for a living. Uh, it's not so. Uh, yeah, I mean, then you get <laughs> I must be in the wrong line of work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with you on some of the observations in that. You definitively, do more do play than ever, and especially among men. Uh, like us, uh, young men, and even actually most middle-aged men, they say, uh, studies say, play video games. Uh, most men that are in the middle-age range, uh, the majority of older men do not play video games. But, I mean, the average 45-year-old dad, you know, of teenagers or whatever plays video games on his own. Uh, statistically, more than half of them do. And, in fact, the... Really? The by far the significant majority of men that are in their 20s and 30s play video games. Uh, some estimates put it as close to about 80% of men that are in their 20s and 30s, which is, again, very different uh, than the culture that yeah. we grew up in. So I think we talk about it less, but it's just it's just the case. Um, I think it's also more social than ever, uh, even without local multiplayer. So one thing, uh, my buddy and I play local multiplayer in the same system, and there's not a lot of games for that, like I grew up on, like the Golden I grew up on. Uh, most of the time you play online now, but still more people play with other people in video games than ever have. I mean, video games are almost inherently a social thing, and video games that don't try to do that often will fail. Uh, but I think it's often much more immersive and open world uh, and open ended as well. So rather than kind of I pick up a level and I play uh, one uh, level on Sonic and I get done and <laughs> then I've got five more <laughs> levels to do a different nights. Uh, you know, it's instead, I mean, it continue on over and over and over again, and there's no definitive ending. It's just kind of ongoing. I mean, there are video games that literally have no end whatsoever, and even the ones that do sometimes have 30, 40, 50, 60-hour story times. Wow, so that's some, I mean, I knew about some of these, a little bit about some of these things, but I did not realize it was like that. Because uh, in some of those, those open kind of games, uh, and and you'll have to tell me the answer to this, but like, like was Zelda sort of like an early version of that? Yes. Or not? Yep. Okay. Even the uh, even like the Game Boy one and stuff like that in the first Nintendo one, those are kind of some uh, pre open. They're relatively open world, not as open world as newer games are, but yeah, they were kind of very similar in that kind of style, though. Okay. So I mean, it. that's the one I, I had played just a little bit. We had seen some people play, so it seemed like that's maybe you were describing. Um, but like that kind of thing just never really was 
my it didn't appeal to my interest that much. I when I played games, I like to play sports games because I enjoyed playing sports a lot, and I it just was kind of a natural. I didn't really like shooter games that much, a little bit, but um, I just kind of gravitated to the sports games. So and you know, kind of, and I do that with with a variety of things. I. I kind of find what I like and like when I was a kid I could eat the same lunch every day and it didn't bother me because that's what now I mean I'm not a picky eater I I like a wide array of things but I could eat a ham sandwich you know like every day and uh so no there's more variety I'm actually I'm mentioning the diff the length of some of these things I mean Zelda was seen as like huge with like sometimes a 10 15 uh, upwards sometimes of 20 hour storylines uh, and if you don't play almost any of the side quests and and for example uh, notoriously large game that came out recently Red Dead Redemption 2 which by the way I'm not going to advocate people play uh, that uh, Forbes <laughs> said the main storyline alone uh, will take you about 65 hours wow yeah isn't that insane that's wow yeah different and today's episode is brought to you by ea sports (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. just kidding but i think another ironic thing about is like there's greater levels of realism in this kind of stuff but at the same time the ones that are most popular the big ones fortnite you see especially kind of or minecraft kind of reject that level of realism and are almost Mm -hmm. nostalgic with the more cartoony animation yeah so what are some ways video games teach or inform our worldview? Well, I think it depends on the genre of the game. Um, it can touch on good and evil and the good life and, and some of these things and the narratives that uh, are part of that, which that's something, I mean, just you're going to know a whole lot more about. Um, but things that I've heard, and I, I remember I was at this dinner one time, and this kid, I think he was in middle school at the time, was telling me about some kind of game Honestly, I couldn't even understand all of what he was saying. But, I mean, he was telling me about all these hypotheticals and this and that. And, I mean, I was just lost. Um, but it clearly had captured something in his imagination. Um, but, I mean, it, it, these kind of things that can touch on these really bigger issues. Um, it also, I mean, it can make light of sin or destruction, which we'll probably get into some of that stuff later uh, yeah. in the conversation. But uh, it do- it touches on real issues that we face. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I think there's some variety of things, and we'll touch more on each one of the ones I'm going to mention. Uh, but the first thing I think is important to mention in ways that it teaches worldview is that value, human value, a sense of worth can be defined by not being a noob, uh, which a noob <laughs> is a term uh, in video game industry for somebody basically who's inexperienced that's not very good at a video game. That uh, you don't want to be a noob or else you can become kind of a social outcast even. Uh, but also it can frequently inform misogyny. It can cause a misogyny or sexism. And there's actually been a lot of studies on some young men that have been raised heavily in video games, especially the Grand Theft Auto video games, uh, that come to really disrespect and kind of have an overly sexualized view of women. Uh, and I think that's an unfortunate reality of video games sometimes. Uh, but also I think it's in general statement. We've talked about movies before, actually one of our podcasts that's picked up recently was uh, TFM at the movies and we talked about how all movies uh, teach you something all movies have some kind of narrative and that narrative uh, has some kind of agenda some kind of teaching uh, thought behind it and most video games have stories have narratives as well and because of that most of them are going to have some level of that an example of the narrative of a video game teaching a worldview sometimes is uh, a popular video game series is called Assassin's Creed uh, and the Assassin's Creed video game series is often known to have stories that paint a very negative picture of of organized religion uh, and are very skeptical of organized religion. And I think that teaches our kids something while they play it. Is playing video games sinful or even a total waste of time? Uh, I think it could be possibly, depending on the circumstances. Uh, but it's not absolutely either one of those. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, it's definitely not inherently. There's nothing the Bible says about, you know, stay away from video games, heathens. Uh, <laughs> but I do think, yeah, it can be. And I think it very often actually even is. I think a great percentage of video game playing, especially among adults, can be neglecting responsibilities and can be sinful. Uh, I mean, there's things like, there's a lot of studies done in the impacts of video games. Uh, video games have had a measured negative impact on college students especially. College students often perform worse and are less prepared for tests because of the impact of video games today. And uh, I think it can also be built to be fairly addictive. I mean, these 65-hour storyline yeah. games are not meant to be played over a year and a half. I mean, they're inherently <laughs> meant to be picked up, and you keep going, and you play for, I mean, five, six hours hours on a Saturday maybe. Yeah. I had When I first started seminary, um, my wife was sometimes watching the kids of uh, another family that was in seminary. They were a little bit older than us. They had four kids yeah four and uh anyway this guy's now a pastor uh in arkansas but uh he we came over to their house and he was just talking to me and he i noticed that he had i think maybe it was a playstation 3 or some device it's been a while but uh he said man i would really encourage you not to spend too much time playing video games because it can be a big time suck and this was a guy he was working full-time he was an elder at his church and uh, also with those other responsibilities. And so it seems like he did it at some point, but just he saw the danger there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a good encouragement. That's good. So can video games have any benefit whatsoever for the Christian? Um, I think that, yes, it may, in some, some regards, I mean, like you talked about, it could help you uh, de-stress in some ways. Um, and that may help you uh, exhibit more patience or various other things as you become more like Christ. Um, now, that's certainly not like a biblically mandated way of growing in Christ-likeness. But um, and I've heard D.A. Carson say sometimes the most godly thing you can do is get a good night of sleep. Um, and so the the ways that we grow to become more like Christ are not just you know prayer and study, fellowship, church. Though those are the primary ways, but there's other things that can kind of come alongside it. Um, and so I think that's a very, very side ancillary kind of benefit. Um, I think from a reaching out standpoint, I mean, it may help you understand gamers that you want to reach. Um, uh, we've got a guy who's, he's a college student in our church and, um, he's very much into the gaming world, but he's also very committed to his faith. And yeah. so I think it's Twitch or things like this he he will get on there and he's like sharing bible study stuff and trying to evangelize people while he's playing games and um anyway i i admire him for using his interest to try to reach out to others um but yeah it's one of those areas that it's kind of a morally neutral things uh, a neutral uh kind of aspect of life but i'm gonna guess that you have some more insight into uh into the benefits and the perks of of this you know, I think that it's only okay to play, uh, and it's actually even God-glorifying to play Billy Graham's Bible Blaster. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> no, is that a real thing? No, it's from, uh, this. there's an episode of The Simpsons uh, where a, the Flanders kids played a video game called Billy Graham's Bible Blaster, uh, where they uh, shot by, had to shoot Bibles at heathens to convert them. And that was the only video game they could play. But it's actually kind of based upon a real video game called Spiritual Warfare that came on out on the NES. Uh, so were you, yeah similar principle but yeah as long as you only play spiritual warfare or billy graham's bible blaster no i'm kidding don't play either of those games so uh there are ethical uh, concerns in both of them even though one is pretend uh i think <laughs> that uh, the video games can have some benefits i mean i think clearly god created a world with uh compu computer developers in mind you know i mean god created a world that would come up with that where people be born and people have the ideas to be able to um, to invent things like computers and to be able to design things that are well-crafted, beautifully made immersive experience. So I don't think it's just random chance that people came up with these kind of ideas. 
Uh, I think God created this kind of beautiful world for our enjoyment in a lot of ways. Uh, And I think God also wants us to rest and to enjoy life at times, not as the sole means of our life, but I think it's good and right to enjoy our lives, even if it's doing something like playing video games. Uh, But the last benefit I think it can have is that it can uh, bond people and create spiritual friendships. Uh, You know, I can, I mean, if that's not the ultimate thing, Uh, I mean, even can create sometimes evangelistic opportunities where somebody might be willing to uh, build a relationship through playing a video game, playing Fortnite with you. uh, And then over time, you get to know the person so that you can share the gospel with them. And and I've known of cases where that's been done. I mean, I even mentioned uh, the friend that I'll sometimes meet with. I think we kind of started as just while our wives were studying the Bible, he he wanted to play video games. And I had some video games and I think some uh, spiritual friendship where we can call each other out on sin in ways and encourage one another has really formed through that. And so I think that was going to be some great examples of the potential positive benefits from them. Yeah, I think that's good. Now, why do you think video games have gotten such a bad rap among Christians sometimes? Well, I mean, there's plenty of games out there that do glorify violence and killing um, and then with school shootings and these, you know, mass public shootings and things, you know, there's been suggested links to uh, violence in the media, including video games. You mentioned earlier games like Grand Theft Auto, and there's others too where they are very uh, highly sexualized, mm-hmm. or just the way that women are depicted. I mean, they make Barbie look like you know she hasn't hit puberty yet. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of complaints about Barbie and how she's built. Well, I mean, some of it's just like, you know, nobody's really built like that. Um, and so, and I know women are getting more into video games. I'm surprised to learn these girls that I know, um, teenage girls that play Fortnite, but I mean, video games have been the domain of males for a long time. And so, uh, I think those are some of the reasons. And I think those are some legitimate complaints and concerns. Yeah, I think that's legitimate. Um, yeah, I think there's a rightful concerns that have spoke this. Uh, but I think there's also some sense sometimes of Christian asceticism. Uh, this kind of, you know, I mean, enjoying things, enjoying things that are as fickle as video games, which in some sense they are fickle. In some sense they are ins- insignificant. Um, I think it's a mentality that that's bad when I don't think the Bible teaches that even though I think sometimes this kind of Christian asceticism can be wrapped or masked in supposed Christian hedonism. I think men can legitimately be childish with them. And that's especially, I mean, it's mocked as like men being like boys uh, when they play video games. And sometimes they can act like boys when they play video games. Uh, but I think also sometimes Christians are often misinformed about their dangers. So, I mean, we're going to talk about some of the dangers associated with some ethical stuff in video games. And I think both of us are going to acknowledge that there's some concerns, but I think that there can be some substantial misinformation that people are given about video games as well. So, but what does the Bible say about leisure activities like video games? Well, this is just an overarching principle that I think is worthy to bring to the conversation. But And this is said in a couple of different places, in a, but pretty much the same idea. But whether you eat or drink or whatever mm-hmm. you do, do it to the glory of God. And so that's why we're here. Uh, and so asking uh, myself, can I do this to the glory of God? But yeah, so I mean, if it's a legitimate thing, if it's something that your conscience is not bothered by, um, I think you can do it with... Uh, within limits and uh like you said there there's a place for rest and for leisure but it's not to be the dominating thing that you do uh but ecclesiastes touches Mm -hmm. on themes like this uh in a number of places about uh eat drink and then it talks a lot about your work and enjoying your work but it also talks about just enjoying life in general uh and your time under the sun and so i think it would fit under that category yeah, that's good. I'll add to those verses, uh, which she took some of the ones I was planning to do. I'll add it. <laughs> so, that is good. So uh, I, uh, I some other verses that kind of came to my mind on this, some passages, are in First Timothy 6.17, ironically in a passage uh, where 
Paul's talk, telling Timothy to make sure that Christians that are wealthy are living for the glory of God rather than living for this present life. But he tells, as for the rich in the present age, charge them, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Uh, which, I mean, that last term I think is important. I think the point is not that we live it up just to enjoy life, but God give us everything so that we might enjoy that. I think it's kind of a purpose clause that everything, at least that we enjoy, uh, which I think is an important thing to understand about God's creation and what God's given us in this world. But I think there is a warning, actually, at the same time from Scripture on these kinds of things. Proverbs 6, 6 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. So I think Scripture also says in this kind of thing, don't be lazy. Don't get sucked up into video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, should kids and teens play video games at all? I think that they may, but should is a little strong. Um, I think it's an activity that they're free to do, but again, with um, with self-control, because, I mean, I, I know even as an adult, there were times where I should have been doing something else, and instead, I, because I was trying to escape my responsibilities and mm-hmm. stress, I was, you know, goofing off and playing, and so um, and I think you want to teach children and teenagers those kinds of responsibilities, and even, yeah, they, they do have more ability to play, and I think that's a good thing. Um, that can't be something that's just enslaving them. Yeah, that's good. I I agree with you. I think it's wise when they do play to set substantial limits. Uh, and I know I know cases that that children and teenagers have been hindered substantially by not having limits on their video game play time. And I think also it's important to note with that kind of limits and as well as sacrificing in general that the Christian family should be known as the family that's willing to sacrifice, that gives up enjoyment, uh, and that realizes that there are more important things than your kids or your teenager's enjoyment. And that sometimes those kind of things, like for example, I mean, if the choice is between having a regular time of family worship and getting as much video game time in as possible when you're not doing homework, I think for the Christian family, the choice is pretty clear. <laughs> so. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it needs to be said, but it is sad that that needs to be said. It is. Why can video games be so time-inducing in these kinds of ways? And uh, since they are, how do we protect our family from this time-inducing nature? Well, you said it earlier, they're built to be addictive. I mean, it's like a lot of uh, cell phone apps and that kind of thing. I mean, I've read some about it, and from people who worked inside the industry who will say, yeah, these machines and the applications that go on them are built to draw you in and so that you just sort of block out the outside world uh, because it's a money maker. And so, um, you know, when you're playing these games, we're probably talking major dopamine hits going on in the brain yeah. and that's, you know, reward, reward. And so, and they're fun and we like to be amused in the sense that we don't have to amuse and think. And this just aids us in that. And, uh, you know, they can, you talked about the immersive effects of some of these. They can wrap you up into this other world that you might even find preferable to your own life. And you're the hero and you're going and doing this or you're smashing home runs or, you know, running for 500 yards in the game or, you know, whatever it is that, that you like to do in a game. And so um, it just sucks you in. Um, I think, like you talked about a minute ago, setting limits, realizing these are the dangers and being proactive and saying, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I've heard of some parents that will set limits by making their child earn a set amount of screen time. Um, you know, you have to read a book yeah. or you have to do these kind of things before you can have screen time. And then this is the amount of time that you may have. Now you can also do some additional things to bu- like buy yourself some extra time, but you're going to have to earn that. Uh, I, I like that approach. Um, Honestly, yeah. I can't speak a lot of it experience. I mean, we do a little bit of watching. Uh, and my as my kids have gotten older, they do want to. They don't want to play video games, but um, they want to watch things. And so, you know, we've had to just we've had to set limits. But I can't speak about it from video games, um, though that time may come. Yes, I'm sure right. it will. So, uh, 
Yeah. Statistically, at least, I'm pretty sure it will. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think sometimes it's uh, keeping up with the Internet Joneses as well, on top of all that you said. Uh, So I think sometimes they can be enwrapping and uh, really be so time inducing because especially for a teenager or kid that sees that their friend you know somebody in their school is this certain level and has this many wins in a video game uh you know they they don't feel they need to keep up they feel for the sense of self-identity you know i've got to keep playing this game so that i can possibly compete so i can possibly be on the level of my friends and not be mocked in this kind of way something that we're going to talk about in a little bit uh but i think when we do talk about this kind of thing and protecting our kids from this abuse and this waste. I think it's always important to get to heart motivation first, not just give rules. Giving rules is good and wise, but I think it's possible that you can have deeper spiritual conversations. So I know that even, and you working with youth ministry, I was talking to somebody, a teenager that was really, that stuck in playing video games every day and they're uh, explaining to me how they honestly don't want to be playing video games every day and they're tired from it uh, but they feel like they have to because they feel like they have to keep up and they and they don't want to lose the reputation that they've earned and I think that's a hard issue the issue really isn't actually the video game there the issue mm-hmm. is a sense of self-worth uh, and a sense of identity and I think that allows us to have deeper conversations than just how many hours a week of video games that we can have and I think parents have the responsibility of having those kinds of conversations of why. Why do you need to play this much? I mean, why do you think that you need to connect with your friends to this degree? Um, But I think also we should replace video games with something more significant. I mean, I've known of cases where video games have been turned away uh, without any kind of positive other suggestion. And and so expected that, you know, the kids, you're going to twiddle your thumb some so that you're not playing video games this many hours a week. (laughs) I think that misses the point a little bit. Uh, I yeah. think find ways to replace that is more insignificant and more significant. I think maybe you're bothered by how often your kids playing video games decide, hey, we're going to start doing family worship now, uh, like I talk about all the time. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good replacement. It is a good replacement. Uh, the last maybe you thing- could play the Bible Blaster game during <laughs> family worship. <and> then- <laughs> yeah, you could do that. Yeah, so. Um, I think last point to bring in with this is for especially the adult men that might be listening and some adult women. I think it's important to model temperance ourselves with video games because I think if we don't have self-control, our kids and our teens will not see the importance of that kind of self-control. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's surprising how important that is to say in light of how much adults play video games now. Yeah. Now, will violent video games result in our kids being on the 6 o'clock news? And if not, should we let the kids play violent video games or even play them ourselves? Well, it may result in that. It probably won't result in that. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of kids play shoot 'em up video games who have never gone on a shooting rampage. Um, but I think that we should think about it carefully. And I'm just hesitant to draw lines here. Um, you are just talking about it a minute ago, the motivations, the why. And so I think it is asking the question, well, why do you want to play this game? Um, okay, well, you find it fun. Well, should it be fun? Is this some activity yeah. that we should enjoy? I mean, like we use the example of Grand Theft Auto. Like, well, should you, you know, find it enjoyable beating up, you know, prostitutes and this kind of stuff or whatever happens on that game? Um, I've, can't say that I've played it, um, but you know, why do you find this activity fun or enjoyable? And so, uh, it's just again, I, I was never—I can't say I never played any kind of game that didn't, didn't involve shooting or something like that. But I just—it was never the primary attraction for me. I was—I was a noob, you know, like in high school. <laughs> towards the end of high school, I remember I had a bunch of friends that were into playing Halo, and so every now and then I would play with them, and I was the guy. I was like spinning in circles, you know, staring at the roof, and then they're all like run by and shoot me. It's like, okay, this is just not even fun. Uh, but, yeah. you know, we were together when we were playing it. like, And yeah. so there was some social interaction. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's, I mean, I guess it, it's not like a real clear answer. Um, I, I think it's one of those things maybe, but maybe not. I think it just, it depends. Yeah. So I want to be really careful on this one because of the societal debate. And I don't want to ever take political stances on this kind of place. Uh 
But that being said, I tried to do a decent bit of research in response to this and as much preparation as I could. Uh, and one thing I want to say is that it's important to note when we talk about this kind of association is that it's definitively been shown, especially in America, that mass murderers are less likely than their peers to play violent video games. So obviously there are examples of people that have played video games that have done uh, mass killing sprees. Uh, one prominent example was uh, the um, that was uh, what was the Columbine. One of the Columbine shooters was a big mm-hmm. player of the video game Doom, which was kind of an early controversial video game. Uh, but on average, compared to the society, compared to people in their age groups and their gender group, that mass murderers are less likely to play violent video games. Uh, and uh, that being said, there's not that 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 many of them to compare in that kind of way. Uh, but th- right. there is still some evidence, clearly, uh, that video games that are violent can make uh, young people more aggressive. But even then, it seems to be like it's barely the case. And there's questions of whether or not that's just because they're playing a video game, period, or if it's because the video game is violent. Actually, the funny thing is one of the most prominent studies that people have used to say that video games make you more violent is a study uh, where the basically how it worked was they can't study whether or not you're going to kill somebody after you play a video game. <laughs> That's not ethical. <laughs> but they can uh, create a weird scenario where, that, uh, where in a video game they ask you whether or not you want to give a pretend video game player that you think is real, that you think you're playing against, uh, spicy food to make it hard harder for them to beat you. Uh, And uh, people who play violent video games are more likely to want to give competitors uh, spicy food rather than random people, I guess. Uh, Which, again, that's, I mean, that's not comparable in any sense to going on a killing spree. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hard to simulate that. No, it is. uh, But, and I think it's important to note that Ultimately, shooting code, because, I mean, even in the shoot-em-up video games and the violent video games, shooting code is hardly different than shooting paper targets. Especially, you know, we're not really bothered by when people get paper targets that look like humans, even, uh, and shoot at them at a, at a shooting range. Uh, but we're more bothered by when somebody does the same thing with computer code, because, I mean, that's what you're shooting at, really. Uh, and you're actually not even shooting. You're putting code against code, I guess. Uh, but that being said, this all being said, I think these are still rated mature for a reason. Uh, and I don't think it's wise to ignore that kind of thing. I think experts have shown that it's not wise for a kid to play video games that are rated mature, that are extremely violent. It's not healthy, I don't think. Uh, but again, I'm not going to make a strong and fast rule. Uh, so I think parents should make this decision for themselves. Uh, but I really don't think, even say they make the decision that their kid doesn't play them, they should follow the same example themselves in front of their kids at least. So they shouldn't be exposing uh, their kid to them playing something that they're not going to allow the, their child to play as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Uh, and next, what are some other content concerns we need to be careful of with video games? Well, we talked about this earlier, but the over-sexualization of things, um, I mean, it's just, it's very common that, I mean, at least what I see, I don't, I'm not in this world a lot, but often the female figures that I see portrayed, they're not realistic. Um, and so, especially if you've got sons and that kind of thing, and even if you've got daughters and they're seeing that, um, can just enhance things and it's just not realistic. Um, and... I think this is kind of an obvious thing, but gaming culture and pornography can be closely mm-hmm. tied together through digital links. Again, you got the male audience of the video games, and is this? And now with the digital access to pornography, um, it's just those things tend to often go hand in hand. And so, yeah. um, I think those are things that can can really be something to be aware of and. Uh, try to be proactive to prevent. Yeah, that's right. I, I actually, it's interesting you brought up the that kind of nudity and that kind of pornography aspect of it. Because uh, one video game, I think that's a great example of another type of ethical problem that we could be concerned about was an, there's an old video game called Duke Nukem. I think that was on mm-hmm. Nintendo 64. 
Uh, and I played it when I was far too young to play a game like that, I believe. Uh, and I mean, it was famous for Duke Nukem was famous for having avert nudity in the video games. And I think even newer ones that are more realistic looking, I think are said to have pornography in those video games as well. Uh, but I think also it can glorify things like drug and alcoholism sometimes or prostitution and certain mm-hmm. popular video games that uh, are known for that kind of thing. And I think we have to be careful to that kind of thing. But another concern ethically I think we should also note is that uh, there's some evidence that, especially with the online culture of video games, it potentially gives access to abusers and to uh, people that really don't need to have an influence in their lives our minors that's right yeah i mean there are some not just i'm not saying all gamers are creeps um but there are some just people out there who um are looking for that kind of access uh and i think too just this gets to the bigger issue of just the whole digital world and i mean other people have made this observation but it kind of stunts our ability to have real relationships and it kind of shrinks our soul um and just our capacity to think about weightier things um i know tony ranky and others have uh, listened to his audiobook on the 12 ways your smartphone is changing mm-hmm. you or something like that. the title's really good but um yeah there, there are bigger issues about just how we live life that we need to be aware of that that an oversaturation into video game reality um can can affect us if we're not careful yeah so that's good what additional pressures, though? I, I brought up the social games. What additional pressures do those kind of games like Fortnite sometimes induce? Well, I think that you're talking about the social stuff. Um, you know, it's to get better. I don't want to be a, a noob. Um, and just to use an excessive amount of time so that I can fit in in this world. Uh, to, and then sometimes I think, you know, to blend in, you're playing these online games and uh the thing the content of the the conversation uh you may feel the pressure to blend in with them um but really i I think you'd be better suited to want to hear what you have to say on this because uh i just know that fortnite is is like crack uh and that lots and lots and lots of people are playing it but um those kinds i I just don't know as much i hear people talking about it um but I mean, what, what is your insight in this? Because you're working more with teenagers, and then I mean, have you played it yourself? I, I've never played Fortnite. I played a little Fortnite, and I think it's a terrible game. But I don't think it's ethically terrible. <laughs> I think it's just stupid. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, for, buckle in, buckle up for this part, because uh, this is uh, both for listeners and probably for Ben. This is going to bring you into a whole different world, but a world that a lot of teenagers are in. So there's something called skins in Fortnite, uh, and skins is the look of your of your character. And uh, okay, I was thinking like David and Saul or something. Nope, it's like skins is like what costume <laughs> and even like what physical appearance your character has. It's a skin, and uh, the you have to buy the skins in Fortnite. They cost money. That's how they make all their money. Actually, it's a free to play game, uh, but they make tons of money through skins as well as through dances victory dances i'm not kidding this is real uh and (laughs) and some of the studies on uh on bullying today have shown that one of the most common sources of being bullied among children and teenagers today is for having base or cheap skins or cheap to afford skins in Fortnite, because uh, there's kind of a base skin, and you're just kind of like a white T-shirt, and I think jeans, and uh, that outfit. If you have that, if that's all you can get, you're kind, of, you're widely mocked and seen as poor and seen as low class. Uh, if that's how you play Fortnite, I'm not kidding. It's a thing. Or even if you use the cheap ones, uh, you're widely mocked. And kind of a way to achieve status is to spend the money on the coolest new skins and the coolest dance moves for after you win your Fortnite game. Um, again, this is weird. Uh, so it kind of creates this, this social hierarchy. And it's very real. I mean, I've, I've seen teenagers play it, and it's incredibly obvious how important that can be. Uh, and, you know, I think in ways this is not substantially different than envy issues related to clothes or cars would have been in our in my generation. I remember growing up in high school that the big thing at the time was the quality of your car at, uh, my, at my private school. It was, you know, the people of the best cars were kind of the social 
uh, the social elites where the people with used cars beat up cars like I did, uh, which I love my car, by the way, in high school, uh, but were seen as kind of lower class and less important. And, and it impacted bullying. But this kind of is the new version of that in some bizarre way. Uh, but bullying is a reality on these forms. Kids get bullied. In fact, there are cases over and over where uh, young people take their lives because they've been bullied so much on games like Fortnite or games like Apex Legends. Uh, they like social media. This makes social pressures constant. And I think we must understand that. Like, I remember growing up in a time where kids would get bullied and then you could go home and you could be away from it. Uh, but just like with social media, it kind of makes that bullying culture constant. Playing Fortnite and playing Apex Legends and playing Minecraft can even make it so that you have constant access to those who mistreat people. And you're expected to. Now, That's uh, good insight. Yeah, it's weird, I know. It's just a different world. Uh, it is. <laughs> so how... How do we help teens or kids see how their identity can so quickly get wrapped up in Fortnite skids or in wins in Apex Legends and help them fight against that? Uh, I think you want to ask good questions. Like with so many things, um, you want to ask, you know, how much emotional and mental energy do you have wrapped up in this? Are you daydreaming about this? Um, what happens when you don't get the thing you're after, the, the new skin or uh, I don't really know anything about Apex Legends um, you'll have to inform me in that that whole new reality but uh, asking that, that kind of thing and then say okay do you get angry when this happens uh, do you get whatever are you depressed uh, okay should this game should this dynamic of the game should that have a this level of place in your life um, and just helping them to kind of step back and assess um, and then I think you just want to daily you're trying to point them to christ show them that christ is better uh, that god gives himself freely portray you know his beauty um this is and that's just a bigger bigger picture project than just those moments um but you talked about this earlier but setting limits and i realized that setting the limits like the physical limits does not fix the heart issue yeah but it's kind of like with pornography Pornography is a heart issue, but you also need to cut the connection to to access it. Um, you know that that's part of it, and so uh, it can help with um, some of these things. Just, just trying to detox the person a little bit, and even if you just say, "Listen, you're just not gonna be able to play this." I mean, if it's just like dominating their life, um, but I think it it goes back to asking those really heart searching questions. Um, what, I mean, you, you're ministering directly to people like that and their parents. Uh, what do you think? Well, it's funny. Not only am I ministering to uh, those cases, uh, but out of curiosity, uh, I my brother convinced me to download the, the game Apex Legends, which is similar to Fortnite. It's a little more adult, but not completely. Uh, and he plays it a lot as an adult. And uh, some of our teams really love this newer game, Apex Legends. And I remember I played it for probably 45 minutes an hour combined between a couple times with my brother. And uh, I was getting destroyed. I'm not that good at video games. But I was doing it out of, out of curiosity. But even in that time, I was like, I was feeling like I'm garbage. I was feeling like a failure. While, you know, I've got a family that I love and <laughs> like a job I enjoy because I can't succeed at this stupid game. Uh, and I think in those moments, I forgot that my identity and worth is in Christ, not in whether or not I'm good at a silly video game. Uh, and I think we need to teach young people that your worth is totally in Christ and completely your identity is through Christ as a Christ follower rather than in anything else that you might compete for. And I think you should talk about the attraction uh, that this kind of thing has of wrapping yourself up, wrapping up who you are in this kind of video game. And I think you should familiarize yourself with the issues. So I think a parent that kid plays Fortnite and plays Apex Legends should at least one time just sit down and learn what this is about, learn what the culture is about uh, so that they mm -hmm. can help them with this. Uh, and I think also don't just buy... Uh, buy things for your kids, you know, especially in Fortnite. I mean, tons of money is spent by parents on these skins. Don't just buy them for your young person. 
but talk about what why the skins are aren't that important and why they want them and maybe if it's an idol for them don't buy them those kinds of things and let them uh feel like that they're insignificant compared to an insignificant match source of measurement um and i think maybe just and sometimes let them have the base stuff if it lets if it prevents them from having that kind of idol I think frank conversations also over wasted time uh, to get sense of success, a uh, sense of success to, you know, that's, it takes time more and more to be able to be good at these kinds of things. And I think we need to talk frankly with young people about how we're wasting and throwing away these times for something that is so fleeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, how can some families bond through using the tool of video games? I think that's a good question to ask because there is there can be usefulness. Um, you talked about sitting down and just finding out about the game. What is it that you like about this? Uh, but playing together. I mean, you talked about your dad playing with you. Um, it can be a way for families to spend time together, and uh, then you're more you're getting into their world. Um, you know, rather than having everyone in their own room on their own device, streaming, watching this kind of thing, but you're actually you know. Uh, interacting yeah. and uh, you may even save some some money on your internet package that way because you don't need as much uh, bandwidth to support everybody streaming all at one time you know um, but I think just talking about it keep trying to keep the conversation going uh, you know if you beat them with some chance you know like you could joke about it and just you're building um, building connections that way and just showing them that you're interested um, in their world and trying to understand it, that's gonna have some some staying power in their life. And so they're seeing, okay, um, mom and dad, they're, they're making effort and making steps towards me. Yeah, that's a good word to say. So I, I think you really hit the nail on the head with that. Uh, and uh, I don't know that there's much to add to that other than, you know, if you're perhaps a parent that's really looking to invest in the most Christian video game, the avert Christian video game, Spiritual Warfare, it looks like you can still buy it used <laughs> online on uh, that on eBay for about 20 bucks, uh, just in case you wanted to play the true Christian <laughs> video game. Nice. No, we kid. So it was good talking to you about this subject, Ben. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, gonna go get some skins and I don't know, <laughs> rule the world, or something, whatever you do in Fortnite. Nice. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.